Welcome into episode 221 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. You should go to discovervibes.com right now, use the promo code Modern Drummer, and that will get you a 15% discount on some high quality musician grade earplugs by Vibes. Again, that is discovervibes.com. Plus, you'll get free shipping uh, in the U.S. if you use the promo code Modern Drummer. That gets you 15% off your order for some really, really nice, um, but affordable. About 20 bucks is what you're paying to get some um, some really good quality earplugs that'll last you forever. And what they do um, is they reduce 22 decibels of sound, which is to bring you know for practicing or rehearsals or going to concerts. This will be you know this will protect your ears, but it doesn't muffle the sound. So it just brings the overall volume down while keeping the balance of the highs, mids, and lows pretty even. Um, it's a one-size-fits-all earplug. It comes with a couple different, three different interchangeable tips. You can get a nice, nice seal by uh, finding the right size for your ear. So again, thanks to Vibes for sponsoring the episode. Make sure you do this now. Go to discovervibes.com. Uh, order yourself a pair. Order your your spouse a pair. Order your friend, your bandmates a pair. Um, use the promo code Modern Drummer, and you'll get fifteen percent off. This episode is also brought to you by Dream Symbols. Uh, we want to congratulate Dream Symbols for uh, welcoming a new artist, the legendary jazz fusion drummer and educator uh, Paul Wertico. So if you go over to Dream's Facebook page or their YouTube channel, they have a nice video of Paul uh, improvising on some some new Dream Symbols. And if you know Paul's playing, he's kind of known for being a great cymbal player. So it's a great pairing. Uh, congratulations to both involved. That's Dream Symbols. Go check out their stuff um, and check out some of Paul Wertico's work. All right, our intro beat this week is by Sean over in Norway. So Sean is playing a Yamaha DTX 720K kit to trigger sounds in Superior Drummer 2's high-quality library. He's recording in Reaper, and he's playing along to one of the loops that I created on my Patreon page. So if you like what you're hearing here, you can always check it out. Go over to Patreon, look for Mike Dawson's drum, Mike Dawson Drums, um, and I have a bunch of practice loops. But enough about me. Let's check out Sean grooving over this ambient uh, loop that I created. And let's get the show rolling. What is up? It is episode 221. What? That's not that's not my real voice. I don't actually talk like that when you and I are talking. Uh, could you imagine if I just got to a restaurant? What is up? You, you guys have a turkey burger. <laughs> yeah? With avocado? Rad. <laughs> oh my god. You know, I saw um I don't know what was it that you posted. It was like a it was like a behind the scenes video of you making a video. Was it on your yeah. Instagram page or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was I, talking about the clapping and how to clap after all your mess ups and stuff. Or what, maybe one? it was just my day where I was showing yeah, my day. Yeah, so it was like outside your. You were making a video and oh, you yeah. were filming yourself making a video and, and in the middle, I mean, I was just thinking the whole time, like, that's why I'm no good at making videos because all I'd be thinking about is the people outside looking at me talking to a camera like a maniac. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about was like, I was thinking about Instagram going, wait, he had to go set up the camera outside to film himself filming himself. <laughs> all that extra like, effort. I know. And it was like, ah, but I was trying really hard to show people, here's a day in my life. Like, I work by myself. Um, and it's, you know, the, the old adage that it's not work if you love what you do. It's like, eh, yes and no. I mean, I don't hate what I do. (laughs) It's work. And I want, and you know, I wanted people to see just because you love your job, it doesn't change anything about the work ethic. If you want to be great at what you do. Yeah. It starts for me at five 30 in the morning Mm -hmm. or waking up at four, but it's, or four 40, but it starts at five 30. And from then until it's dark, it never stops. And and even then, what I don't, what I didn't show in that video series was, I didn't even come close to getting my day's worth of work done. Mm-hmm. I got home and got yelled at by Amber for like six things I didn't do. <laughs> the important stuff that you didn't do. I wish she was on Instagram so she, because sometimes I get home, I'm like, what do you think I do all day? You think I just bang on drums? Like, do you know how busy I am? She's like, I don't want to hear it. 
like, you need to get a video done for this yeah, drum you show. You have an oh actual God. business that needs to be run here. <laughs> totally, totally. And, you know, and then, yeah. So then she goes, look, we're doing fine. Why don't we hire some help? And I'm like, no, no one's taking any control away from me. I'm an only child, and it's not happening. So how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. No complaints other than, you know, we, we had like a bunch of snow last week or over the weekend and then it got like 50 degrees and rainy and then it snowed again so it's bipolar wow. season here in the east coast when i got here to los angeles by the way guys if, it, if things sound a little weird it's because i'm recording into my iphone uh so <laughs> in a hotel room fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by the way the uh the, do you want to know what the name of this file is that it automatically chose uh, north hollywood way all right cool that's, that's very kinda, la that's kind of creepy yeah, right. I know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm right next to the airport. So if you guys hear some, this is my time to finally have planes flying right, overhead. Do it. But I am in a in a hotel. I've been in LA for the last four days, uh, filming content for Vic Firth. Today, as soon as this podcast is done, I'm going back there to film a duo video with Eric Hernandez. We talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. And there's so many drummers that I could have chosen to do this with in the LA area that are Vic Firth artists. But man, I just, when I started thinking about them all, I was like, ah, I, like I even ran into Sput yesterday. He came by the offices to do something and we just hung mm-hmm. out for a bit. And it's like, but I've, I think the world has seen that. Like no yeah. one knows what Eric plays like that's by true. himself. Yeah, that's very true. And I don't know if Eric would do this with anybody else. If they said, hey, Eric, we want you and whoever. Vic Firth artist Luke Holland. It's like, well, Luke's a stud. But I don't think Eric would do it. I think mm-hmm. he knows, like, look, man, I'm really interested in making something as musical as possible and as non-show-offy as possible, but still fun and, and cool to listen to. How do and you, if uh, anything, maybe ins- inspirational. Like, maybe a drummer's like, I could totally do that with my friends. Yeah, right, which is, which is weird, because I never play with other drummers, and I usually balk at the idea of doing it. So right. my first question is, how do you get comfortable... You never played together, right? Correct. And you probably and we've only met once. Yeah, you're casual acquaintances. So yep. And now you're going to go and get in front of cameras and have you know one or two takes. How the heck are you mm-hmm. going to be comfortable? <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I've told him is whatever I'm doing, don't do that. Yeah. And just I, I think he's such a natural musician. If I play something that's like a melody, I think his drummer brain will just kick in. Mm-hmm. If I play a groove, I think his drummer brain will revolt against it and be like, well, since you're doing that, can I leave now? Yeah, right. Um, so I think if I just give him a ton of space and give him some really sparse notes, snares off, and just a little three-drum melody, I really think his drummer brain will kick in. Um, and I think it's just going to take some trust. Once he makes it to that two-minute mark of drumming and I still haven't just shedded a four-bar lick... I think the trust factor will kick in like, okay, mm. I guess we're never going to go there. You know, I'm, if it was you and Glenn Kochi, it would take only about two minutes for you to trust like, okay, I guess we're just going to be musical. Yeah, that's what we do. Or yeah. Billy Martin or whoever. Um, but there are times where it's like, oh, this is killing. This is so great. And then somebody takes a four without any notice. They mm. just rip it and then they stare you right in the eyes. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> really? What is this going to be for? So they're doing a new series of just Vic Firth artists that are kind of unlikely pairs playing together. Okay, um, so this is just strictly just promo fun stuff for their YouTube totally. channel or something. That's it. I think it's just going to be called VF Duos or something. Cool. Um, so, and, and I think you know we saw a lot of that. I think the Drum Channel really almost pioneered that back in the day with Terry Bozio mm-hmm. playing with everybody. And I just I think that it runs its core. It's more fun for the drummers doing it than it is for the viewer once you hit that three-minute mark. Yeah, yeah. In, unless it's composed. If it's through composed, totally different. Like when you see Phil Collins and Chester Thompson do a 10-minute drum solo that's yeah. through composed, totally cool. Yeah, he's jamming. But just like yeah. jammy jam. So I think, that, I think Instagram's a great format for it. Give me 45 seconds at the most of mm-hmm. two drummers that I've never seen in a room together. And if anything, show me... Let me. What I want to see is the faces. I don't really care about the drumming. I want to see how much one one of those people doesn't want to be there. <laughs> that's so true. Because that's what I told I mean, Eric. I was I like, I would Eric. have the poo poo face if you said, "Hey, let's do a <laughs> let's go film a duo." I'll be like, "Oh God." I think it's kind of you know if you think about it, we've done two hundred or not two. How many episodes have we done? Oh, we've done two hundred twenty one episodes. Yes, two twenty one. I just announced that eight minutes ago, but. 
you and I have never once had sticks in our hands together at the same time. Yeah. Ever. I mean. Crazy. Yeah. It, yeah. Obviously, it's it can be Did fun. Did you almost throw up in your mouth? What, it's what just, was that? It's, just it? not <laughs> my, it's not my vibe because it just always becomes, you know, that who, thing. Can, who can do something better than the other guy. And that's just the totally. opposite of everything that I ever want to do on the instrument. I don't even like sharing the bill with other bands because... Like if the yeah. drummer knows who I am and I might know who they are, it's just like I mean, is it even that has a thing? There's a posture to it, and I'm just not into that yep. at any point. I am with you. I'd rather just 100%. get some skateboards and just go <laughs> go shred or something. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's I think when I was there yesterday, and it was it was looking like Eric couldn't do it at the time we were going to do it. Uh, you know, my rep Ben was asking like, well, who else you know on our roster would you want to do this with? And it's like, oh, well, I would love to jam with anybody on your roster. That's not the thing. The thing is. I trust that with Eric, it would be extremely groove-centric and musical, and I just don't think it'll ever reach that level of, you know, who can go where. And I mean, I would love... He's going to show if, up with sweatbands and a headband. I know. Could you imagine <laughs> if he just comes in? <laughs> he's going to have a jump rope. Like, he's going to be all, like, warmed up. <laughs> like, what are you doing, dude? Come on. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, I can't do this all the time, obviously, but this is my first, I guess second, because I did it for the cowbell thing, but... This is my second time bringing my personal drum set to something like this. Mm. Oh my god, the comfort level is insane. Now, how is that old hardware holding up when you move it around? <laughs> you mean on the kit itself? Yeah, yeah, on the kit. It's it's fine. It the okay? kit's great, man. I mean, so I take the bass drum spurs out. I have on the bottom of the spurs. I have those uh, grippy jobbies. What are they called? Oh, uh, the K brakes. Yeah, I have K brakes okay. on them. Yeah. Um, so. And I take those out uh, of the bass drum, so um, they just sit in my hardware bag. Um, I did switch hardware. I, I should be able to tell you as a DW artist, but I can't tell you. But I, I went to their much, much lighter double-braced hardware. It's like the lightest double-braced hardware they have. Okay. Um, so I moved to that, so my, my hardware bag's much lighter, much easier to deal with. Um, but no, the, the kit's great. I mean, I've got the Tom on a snare stand. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a big thing. You know, so yeah, so I don't have any moving parts from the 60s or anything what like that. What about the floor tom legs? They're all, they're all good? Floor tom legs, they're good, but when you tighten that wing nut that's smaller than a like Ooh. a little thumb pin, like, uh, I am always like, oh my God, this thing could snap off at any time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the thing that scares me. They Once they're there, they're, they're pretty decent. I mean, I don't hit as hard as I used to, so it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, that's a scary thing, putting those floor tom legs in or thinking that maybe one of the wing nuts fell out along the way oh, that's yeah. it yeah but i mean that would happen with any drum but with these they have like two turns before they fall yeah, out it's going to end up in like some weird corner in your hardware bag you're never going to find it you're never going to find yeah. it but you yeah, go to a drum I mean, shop and they're like your own you're kit there i mean that's got to be pretty awesome oh I, my. I played a house kit on saturday the drums were fine but I'll, you know i was like oh cool there's a dw5000 pedal i'll just use it didn't even touch it and then we started playing the song and it was like a soggy paper bag like the pedal just oh. it had like three inches of play i'm like what the heck is this thing so the whole night oh. i was just like slogging the bass drum it's like <laughs> come on man just put i even brought a, i even had my pedal right there beside me right but once we started playing it was like this is an hour and a half non-stop i don't have but hey hold right. up <laughs> my bass drum yeah, pedal yeah. needs to be changed <laughs> so i just shouldn't have trusted it I was like oh cool that'll that'll work nope i should have put at least put your own pedal up dude at least <laughs> yeah i i'm trying to think if i for me bringing one piece of gear man it's it's tough because i think about hi-hats big deal to me then it's like nah i'll bring my ride and then it's like wow i'll bring it's a snare it's gotta be my snare you know um <laughs> And then, like, but, it, you know, one little thing can throw you off for sure. Toms mean nothing to me. Yeah. I will work yeah. that out. Or yeah, I'll just leave them in out. In the actual bass drum itself, I usually don't. I could care less. Yeah. The bass drum, to me, is an option on mood. So if it's, let's say it was stock heads, nothing inside of it, and it just was full car lock, cool. It's funky. Yeah, that's what you're gonna do. Yeah. I'm just going to play less notes. No big deal. They've got six pillows in it. Fine. I'm going to drop heat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like because you can hear everything, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, if it's, I mean, I guess that if I could, if I bring one thing, it's probably my snare, and then, yeah, and then snare angle drives me nuts. Mm. If a stand clicks and doesn't go to the right snare angle, <laughs> one click away, clink clink. I'm like, come on, man, you gotta be kidding me. It's either pointed down at my feet or it's full buddy rich. You don't have anything in between on your clicks. 
Come on. That is true. And there's some stands I can't, no matter what, they're always like cockeyed. Like, why? Why can't yeah, I get right. it to just aim at me at least? <laughs> Come on. I got the, the logos are centered. Everything's good. What is the problem? And then the okay, way the let's... arms are spread out, like it's always hitting the strainer at some point. I'm like, come on. Right. I can't. Yeah. Anyway. So, so yeah. let me ask you this. Real quick tip on gear. Yep. Probably, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, I changed my snare basket setup. I always had it, if you considered it a triangle, pointing away from you. So the point of the triangle mm-hmm. is going straight ahead. That would be the snare basket. But my leg always was, my, my right leg, my bass drum leg, was always my inner thigh was always rubbing up against the nub mm-hmm. of the snare stand, like that rubber part. So eventually I just reversed that. So now the triangle is pointing towards me. Mm-hmm. Do you consider that when you sit down at a kit at all? Um, or do you just make sure that it's not touching the strainer? Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is it's not like hitting the the, the strap of the strainer in any way. But um, what am I using currently? I'm using the the nine thousand snare stand, which yeah, those have a big nub. And, and you, <laughs> I don't think you can rotate the basket independently, so you kind of have to have it with the triangle facing away from you. I think um, I haven't honestly. Well, I, yeah, but I mean, I literally turn the entire stand backwards. Well, then it offsets your drum to the left. Because of that no. long arm, it's not like no. the, stand, the snare doesn't sit right over the tripod; it's offset. Yeah, so I have it. I think it. Uh, now I need a damn snare stand. <laughs> but well, however it works, I'm telling you, I All got right, rid I of that nub because that you, thing was driving me you nuts. You probably just rotate. I, yeah, obviously, I don't know my snare stand very well. I just took it out of the well, box. Well, that's what I'm, set I'm saying. Is like it was. It was funny to me. I, it, it all came because of camper, and like some camper was like. Uh, it was a female camper that was wearing shorts, and she's like, "This thing is is like literally cause like rubbing my leg raw." I'm like, "What?" She's like, "The the the rubber thingy on the snare," and I was like, "Oh my god, that always drives me nuts." And I've just never thought about. It. I just dealt with it my whole life. Yeah, because I actually keep that. my snare and my floor tom pretty in, like close to my bass drum pedal. There's just enough room for my leg, so it's it's not all right. Now um, I'm. I'm- confusing how you're able to make that work with that 9000 stand because it has that right? that arm that goes out pretty far which is why i use it so then i can extend the drum you know a little bit away from the tripod i don't know but i, I know that I'm, when i go to the studio later today <laughs> I, i'm stoked by the way about this need, all listeners question I need we're fo- nailing this <laughs> i need photo proof <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm telling you when i get there I'm gonna, and then i'm going to talk to eric about it because i know he's a dw hardware so all right let's get into it <laughs> All right, well, we're friendly gonna... listeners, we are doing listener questions. Gosh, we're a quarter of the way through. We have we've answered zero questions. Pros, we've answered a lot of questions. Just right. nobody asked them. So I opened up all the emails that we had submitted over in the past month, and my computer about exploded. Um, so we're going to try <laughs> to get through as many of these as we possibly can. And if we didn't get to yours, we'll make it a point to get through more questions each week until we get caught up. So first one here is from Derek. Um, seeing as how you have both been in the drum industry for quite a while I wonder if you can talk about how much a drummer typically makes for a gig for a three hour bar set, a corporate function, large venues TV shows and Broadway productions I'm also wondering if you've seen any change better or worse with how much a drummer gets paid since the time you both started playing I will say before we dig into the details um, there's George Marsh, you know George Marsh? He's from, I think no. he's from San Francisco. Okay. A great kind of avant-garde jazz drummer. He, every time I would talk to him, he'd make the same joke. Like, I've been getting, I've been getting paid literally the same, same amount of cash from the 70s as I do today. So as far really? as any change. And I don't think he's joking. He's not joking. Yeah. <laughs> he's not joking. So yeah. I would think the ultimate thing is, at least on the working level, our wages have stayed stagnant. Let's just put it that way. Um, so... Before you get into the details, one thing I am curious about is how come no one ever talks about these details? Why has no one ever made it kind of public? Like, but, yeah, because is, I think it, it's is it just embarrassing. An, is, are they, is it embarrassing? I think it's embarrassing. I mean, if you play, yeah. like, there's a couple jazz clubs here in Jersey near me. You're lucky if you get fifty bucks. That's embarrassing right. to dedicate your no, life to something yeah. and you walk away with barely enough to cover the gas and parking. So. I think it's just something in the educational world where it was never a weird thing if somebody said, "Hey, so you live in Sacramento? What, what's the uh, what's the monthly rate for lessons?" It, it came off the top. You're like, "Oh, hundred bucks a month, or one hundred twenty bucks a month, mm-hmm. or now it's one hundred fifty, whatever it is." But it was like, "Oh, let's find out what the going rate is in your area. What do you charge? And are you doing hour lessons?" And so, the, in the educational side of things. 
it never seemed a big deal. And then when I would get a gig from a drummer, he'd say, hey, can you do this gig? I'd be like, yeah, no problem. Uh, like, how much should I ask for? What do, what do you usually get? He's like, I don't know, whatever you feel is good. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. The hell does that mean? Fifty dollars <laughs> or five thousand dollars? I feel that both are good, depending on what's going on. So, yeah, that's um, tough. yeah, I think. And then in the corporate world, like let's say you were in a cover band, four to five band members, and you were doing a corporate gig, like a oh, you know, a three set gig. What's that? Like maybe five hundred well, I mean, person. I think that all depends on where you are, but. I think the yeah. best thing that anyone curious about what a standard is, go to the Musicians Union website because they publicly, you know, they, you can get all the information about what is a union contract pay. It's all there. So you'll, you'll know exactly, right. like, if, if I'm a union member and I get a union gig, it's this much. And then you can kind of factor in, you know, f- yeah. you know what other gigs might pay compared to that. But, I would, yeah, I would consider, like, wedding bands and Broadway and TV and all that should be close to union scale, just it would make right. sense um, which I don't really know what it I don't know what it is at the moment I should now know, have you ever <laughs> since you're you, you're a gigging drummer obviously yeah. uh, and uh, I would just say like a professional drummer you're doing all things at all times do you have a standard of okay I never <clears throat> gig under 250 or, or is it just like no. every gig is a choice that you make yeah I think it's, it's a balance of you know creative reward and and financial gain like sure if this if it's my band and i mean i help write the music then i'll play for free or for a slice of pizza um but right. or you know whatever it may be but if it's something i'm like oh gosh i've got to drive an hour and a half and i've got to take my own gear and it's going to be three hours of music i never played before then it's like okay we've got to get close to union <laughs> for me to be like okay right. this this makes sense i'll it's a it's a job at that point um, yeah, that's kind of how I balance it, and then you know other local like there's just like the thing I did this week, and it's just a fun gig, and it's I think it's kind of typical around here. Like 150 is kind of the median of, of what you get for just per a, person. Yeah, for just like a typical yeah. you know hour and a half show or something. Now, do you do the thing that I despise more than anything? Do you ever ask <laughs> how much the bread is? No, I don't even ask <laughs> how it, much. Do you, you ever say good bread? Because <laughs> I. <laughs> I can't stand that. It's like some East Coast thing. You know how much bread it is? I'm like, no, I don't. Are you talking about currency? Stop calling it bread. Uh, I'm no, just kidding. I, I will never, if someone says, hey, can you play a gig? I will never ask how much does it pay. That's okay. Usually it's just offered, hey, can you do this gig? It's at this place. We're playing these many hours and the pay is 125 or the pay is 250 or whatever. Right. Yeah, I don't I think, and that's because I just I won't associate. I won't even. I mean, I won't take a random gig with a random artist if they don't tell me how much it's going to pay. If I have to ask how much it's going to pay, I'm I'm, I'm not available. Right. That's just that's <laughs> just the way it is. Because <laughs> I don't want to be I, that guy. Like, yeah, I'm available, but how much does it pay? And then, oh, it's only right. fifty bucks. Ah, get the hell out of here. I don't want to yeah, be yeah, that yeah. guy. That's yeah. That's just no, rude. I am free on that night, but <laughs> I'm not doing it for free. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question. All right. <clears throat> um, this one is from Andrew. I'm wondering to what degree the quality of a hoop affects the sound of a drum. I don't necessarily mean the type of the hoop, but the overall quality. Um, he's talking about some cheaper um, generic hoops that are on a yeah. 70s Rogers kit. He's wondering if he's missing out on the full potential of the drums by not replacing the hoops. Mm. Well, I mean, I think that there's type and then there's material, right? So you could have a, a triple flanged hoop, but it could be just kind of pot metal or it could be brass. Um, and, yeah. and that would change it. So even if it's, even if you stick with the same thing, let's say on your Rogers kit, you have triple flanged, you know, getting mm-hmm. a high quality triple flanged hoop is going to definitely affect the sound. But I don't know if it's something where you're like, now it's a Rogers, you know, it's like, eh. Yeah, I think and, and triple flange isn't isn't universal. Some are thinner than others too. So a good point. A yeah. thinner triple flange is going to have less constraint on the tone. So it might sound a little bit out of control if you have a super thin, flimsy triple flange uh, versus right. a diecast or even a the thick triple flange. Yeah, but yeah, on toms, I don't know snare drum. I think the best thing anyone could do would be put some brass hoops on it. It's just going to make the totally. drum sound richer. Like richer sonically and f- like money, it's going to make it sound richer. 
I, I couldn't agree more. That was the one <laughs> thing we were doing uh, when I was prototyping stuff with A&F was, you know, Rami would send me a shell. I would say, it's cool. And he'd say, swap out to the brass hoops. And it was a, a remarkable difference. Yeah. I think you can put brass hoops on any snare drum and it's going to be instantly an improvement unless it already came with brass hoops. Right. Um, Agreed. All right. So next, next one's from um, Neil. Uh, I'm interested in getting either an electronic multi-pad or a couple single pads to recreate a bass and snare sample from a song on my band's new album. Um, I will most likely get the exact samples from the producer, but I'm uh, new to electronics, so is there a pad that I can set up easily and have options? Um, What would be the suggestion for a beginner to electronics who really just needs two different sounds? Um, I do this, so I'll take the lead. Get a Roland TM2 which is the simple two-stereo trigger input module. You can load your own samples into it, and then you just get yourself two cheap rubber pads, like a PD-8 or something that has either single trigger or dual trigger, so you don't need a multi-pad. You don't need nine pads. You just need two things to hit, and you can find those pads for, like, cheap. So the, the device itself, I think, is 200 bucks, and then you add two pads probably for another 100 bucks, so for, like, 300 bucks. You're done. Boom. All right. Next. See, we're flying here. This one's from Derek. Um, says, looking back on the Buddy Rich memorial video, um, I was wondering if you guys knew why Dennis Chambers was not included in the drum off with Cayuta and Weckl. It seems that Dennis would have lined up better with those guys, blah, blah, blah. Because um, uh, if you remember, Ooh. it's a two-parter. It's it's Bissonette, Belson, and Dennis, and then Gad, Vinny, and Weckl. Any idea on how that was decided? I don't know, but I have a guess. Vinny, Steve, and Dave were all Yamaha artists. Right. That'd be my guess. Dennis Pearl. Um, Louis was, what, Ludwig at the time? I'm not even sure. Maybe Remo? I'm not sure. And Bissonette Pearl. So it might have been like the two Pearl guys with Louis and then the right. Yamaha guys. That would be just the the politician of it. Um, I don't know if it would have been better with Dennis. I actually, I needed the breath between Dave and Vinny's fireworks. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they're all, like, Gad was the obvious influencer of those two guys. I don't think you throw right. Dennis in there. It's like he's not, he's drawing some stuff from Gad, but he's drawing way more from, like, you know, Cobham, which Cobham, I think, yeah. and Tony Williams, so him and Greg actually pair up well because they're coming from that more kind of progressive fusion world. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I probably should ask who, who booked that. Maybe, um... Uh, Johnny D would know, but mm. that's my guess. Is the, it was Yamaha guys? Yamaha was probably like, "Hey, we've got to have our drums on the stage together, right?" And why not? Respect yeah, I don't that. know. I mean, that would have been so much drums to handle. With uh... <laughs> either way, that's those are six amazing players to have on two oh videos. I mean, that 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 how many people did those two videos just change their lives? Think about it. Oh I, yeah, I watched them every Absolutely. day of my life from seventh grade to when i graduated high school like every day (laughs) i don't think i missed a day of at least watching one tune or one solo yeah no it was it was pretty amazing stuff um and i i think also it influenced what ended up becoming social media drumming like people started shedding together trying to be Vinny, dave and steve and Mm -hmm. you know and so getting that thing going it was it was pretty cool um because i i don't really i mean there were like obviously the buddy rich and max roach stuff buddy and louie but three drummers was kind of something i don't remember seeing until then especially three drummers of and maybe it was something where i had seen drummers together for a long time but it was always of the jazz era Mm -hmm. and i hadn't seen my fusion heroes go at it you know Mm -hmm. um and yeah, I, I mean, it's cool though. What's funny is when I go back to those videos now, it's funny how much my playing has been influenced by Steve, even though he at the entire time was the least of my three favorites. Um, yeah. It was Vinny and Dave were my guys, but I wasn't taking their vocabulary. Uh, and I don't even know if I ever took vocabulary from Steve as much as I took it from people that took it from Steve. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. He's kind of, I, it's all coming from him. The whole modern yeah, drumming language. For is- sure really kind of coming from gad yeah uh, yeah and it's funny i was who was i just talking to about that because we were talking about touch and how um my theory was weckle just didn't have the the touch to stand to to 
to cut through the mix with those two guys, which is why he sounds right. a little bit softer. And like, don't you think the sound guy yeah. just like turned him down? Like, no, I bet the levels were all the same. It's just Weckl's touch is way more feathery. So he's on yeah. stage with Gad, who's you know hitting for the floor, and yep. Vinny, who's just a straight assassin. So right. I always kind of felt yeah. bad for Dave. It's like, yeah, super smooth. Love everything you're playing. I just can't hear it next to those two guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> While they're going, show the gun. Yeah, just like, the, not even hitting hard, just with that certain amount of just razor. Yeah, that, it's just precision. that clarity, yeah. you know. Um, so, yep. and, it, and you know, Dave was going coated heads. Should have gone clear for that one. <laughs> Get a little more attack. <laughs> Here we are criticizing one third of the great, of the greatest one of the greatest <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, next question is from Matthew. There's uh, another electronic question. I'm looking to buy an electronic kit. Um, my question is, what electronic kits hit the equal equilibrium of the cheapest you can buy and one that you won't hate yourself for playing because of its feel? Um, so we're looking for the cheapest, funnest option. Uh, you have the Yamaha kits, right? Yeah. Which model? I mean, that's still my favorite. Anything that has one of the actual DTX foam pads for the snare is... For, for the snare, I mean, yeah, now that we're dealing with the cheapest, unfortunately, it would just be the snare. But that itself, the one thing I really like about that kit over a lot of other kits is that I feel like there is a tactile aspect to it that when you play it with the sound off, you actually are getting some pretty decent feedback. Not like a drum, mm. but you know how hard you've hit this thing. Um, yeah. And there is a different sound to it from hitting it quiet and hitting it loud. I mean, and I think that of rubber pads. Mm-hmm. I think rubber pads give you more feedback with the sound off than, say, a high-end mesh kit, yep. where it's like, I can't really tell the difference between mezzo forte and forte. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I, I'm asking my students to do quite often is, hey, just every once in a while, please get in an hour of practice with no headphones, no amplifier, and just hit something and hear how loud you've hit it. And then you can work on the dynamics inside of that. Um, so yeah, so I, I mean, the DTX series, I, I, I wouldn't know what it is, um, but I think that in all honesty, if you can hang on for a little bit, I, I would wait until after January because I think a lot of people have realized that now we have a global market. Mm-hmm. Those, that global market includes Asia, which includes high-rise buildings, which everyone lives in, and they are going hard after electronics. So. I would just wait till January, like mid to late January, when all the new products are announced for NAM, because I think people are going to really attack that market. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a lot. 2020 prediction. <laughs> there's a lot more options today than there were even five years ago. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. The Yamaha kits are probably the best feel for for the price, um, but it's still it's still a lot of money. <laughs> These things are they're That's not what's cheap. crazy, you man. Can't, I mean, f- you can't buy a two hundred dollar electronic kit and, no. and expect it to even feel like you're not going to just break it in two months. It's just I still, impossible. if 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 I if I didn't need the electronics for anything other than the volume, I would still get uh, a Catalina Club uh, jazz kit or any Bop kit and get Aquarian Super Pads and some cymbal pads for it uh, and. Just that would, I mean, that's what I have at my house, and I play it all the time. And I'm right down the hall from my sleeping wife, and it's fine. I mean, I play it with taste, obviously, at night. I'm not throwing heat on mm. Meshuggah tracks, <laughs> but but it's it's fine, you know? So, I mean, I still like that because one, I own a drum set now, mm-hmm. and sorry, getting Is that arrested. Someone getting arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, LA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, so yeah, so I, I think that that's still the other option too. And if you need to hear it, man, just just go all in, get a cheap jazz kit, get a, the super pads or some sort of pads for it, mm-hmm. and then get that Yamaha, um, what is it, the UAD-1 or UAD, mm-hmm. what's the thing that goes on the bass drum? The Yamaha recording Javi. Oh, AD10. I was thinking UAD. Like, what are, what are we talking about here? <laughs> United Adult Digital. United Adult Digital EAD module. 10. The EAD10. You know, that, that way you feel like you have an electric kit. You can hear it. You put reverb on it. It's oh, great. By the way, they just released a firmware for that that has a preset that's set up for triggers on mesh pads. So if you have EAD10, you can get some mesh heads from Remo, whoever makes them, and some triggers. And you can now have a, a silent practice kit that has some real sound to it. 
Boom. There you go. Once again, we need to thank our sponsors, Vibes Earplugs. So if you go to discovervibes.com, use the promo code Modern Drummer, that will get you 15% off a purchase of high quality musician earplugs. Um, so you're basically going to pay about 20 bucks for these. They're really nice. I use them often when I'm practicing and rehearsing. If I go to shows, what they do is they reduce the sound by 22 decibels, um, but they bring everything down evenly. So you're getting an even mix. It's not muffled like if you use foam earplugs. So you still get to hear the music and it's it's full fidelity, just at a safer level. It also comes with a nice little carrying, a plastic carrying case that easily fits in your pocket. Um, they're discreet, has a clear stem, so you don't have like a weird bright orange or bright green thing sticking out of your ear. It has three interchangeable tips, so you can get a nice uh, seal, depending on the size of your ear canal. Um, again, I use these all the time, and you should too, especially if you're going to be practicing as much as we demand that you do. Um, so get a pair now. Go to discovervibes.com, use the promo code Modern Drummer, and it'll get you 15% off. This episode is also sponsored by Dream Symbols, and once again, we want to uh, congratulate Dream on signing the great jazz fusion drummer Paul Wertico. Uh, one of my favorite improvisers, been a huge inspiration for me personally over the years, just with his creativity and always pushing the envelope and reaching for new things, and also for his really beautiful touch, especially on the symbols. So this is a really great partnership for Dream and for Paul. I'm going to assume you're going to see some new creative ideas coming from both parties involving Dream Symbols and Paul's new you know, new, new records and clinics and everything. So go, go over to uh, Dream's website or their YouTube page or their Facebook page. They have a post with Paul uh, improvising on some new symbols and some new Dream Symbols. Uh, be on the lookout for some cool collaborations between those two. Um, I think it's a perfect pairing with Dream being a very creative, forward-thinking symbol company and Paul just being one of the most creative uh, artistic minds in the drum industry so thank you Dream congratulations Paul thank you Discover Vibes let's get back to the show alright next All right, question moving on this is from to Kevin I feel like we might have answered this one before but it, it always can come back at it so this is Kevin from England I wonder if you could share some ideas for fills on a small kit. I have a kit made up of a, of a kick snare hi-hat ride and crash and sometimes my fills get stuck I get stuck for ideas. I think we've answered this before, and I think it's the same fills you would play anywhere yeah. else. I think if I, th- I remember answering this, if you're if you think of a fill as being you have to go down instruments and you're not thinking about the actual rhythms you're playing, that's the problem. Because right. there's infinite Agreed. rhythms you can play just on a snare drum and a bass drum. It's totally. if you're just playing sixteenth notes and you're and you think of a fill as going around instruments as constant 16ths, then yeah, right. you have no ideas. Yeah, a fill fills in a gap of time or a gap of energy. Yeah. So what you know, a lot of times my favorite fills are just when the groove changes. Yes, lightly. Um, like an extra snare yeah, note exactly. or leaving out a note or we something. Just, one of the videos I did for, for Vic Firth was breaking down what to do during the four-bar itch. And mm. it was talking about, like, look, I know that when you play drums by yourself, you feel the need to do a fill on every fourth bar for some weird reason. Mm-hmm. It's a reset, but in music, that's a bad thing to do. So just open a hi-hat or just change the groove or change the kick pattern on the fourth bar slightly. Um, but yeah, I think, and the other thing that I would say, Kevin, is don't underestimate, replace some of your bass drum notes. If you're doing any kind of linear stuff, replace those kick notes with left foot, and all of a sudden there will be these new textures that just sound extremely hip and advanced. Yeah. So I do that constantly. Yeah, I mean, it kind of falls right into what I teach. And when I give clinics on, it's like you should work your ideas to the point where you're bored to death, and then that's when a breakthrough comes to totally if you get too impatient you're like oh i'm out of ideas well that you got to go another 10 minutes another hour and then eventually the muse will hit you're like oh yeah i never once thought to use my left foot in a fill there you go right boom so yeah stick with it have fun next um okay this is from lewis um i've been playing drones for over 30 years and i developed what i fear might be a bad habit of humming while i'm playing it's not melodic humming humming with a song, but rather an internal humming that comes and goes depending on the complexity of what I'm playing. Um, so so it's, I guess it's not an internal humming because he says the microphone can possibly pick up his sound. Um, I feel like it's more of a breathing re- relaxation issue than a drummer who might be vocalizing accents during a drum fill, etc. I'm not overly concerned. 
It doesn't affect my plane, but I'm interested to get your thoughts on whether this is a common issue or something I should try to work on. That's I love yeah. this. Yeah, we we and I think we hear that all the time. I mean, who's who's some of the famous hummers? Uh, Keith Jarrett. But yeah, Keith Jarrett has ruined every record he's ever made by just right? like a gremlin in the background. Um, yeah. Herbie El- Hancock, I heard him do it on plenty of things. Elvin, always, Not, always yeah. growling. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it. I actually think it's. It's a good sign because it means you're fully invested in what you're doing and you're not thinking about what you're going to order for food during the set break. <laughs> Absolutely. No, you're in it for sure. Yeah. And I think as somebody that's trying to get back into soloing and improvising and feeling comfortable, I know that my biggest fight is being in it. Mm-hmm. And if I and I if I'm singing at all, it doesn't matter if you're singing the I mean I'm not singing the actual drum part I'm playing, but I'm almost vocalizing inside my head. I wouldn't mind if that came out a little bit Mm -hmm. um and i think you know um eventually you want to get to the point that you could sing inside your head and it doesn't come out loud but the fact that you're doing it if you don't think it's ruining anything i think it's totally cool and if i see a drummer doing it i never think one way or another about it It doesn't even affect me in any way no i just yeah brian blade does it all the time and there's there's great classic recordings of brian blade where he'll get to the end of a phrase and you can tell everyone listening and everyone in the band's like yes we've arrived and he'll just scream <laughs> you're like of course right, yeah. that's perfect <laughs> you know yeah, we yeah, wanted yeah. that humanity I'm trying to embrace yeah. that too just the idea of you know actually people want to see you do something human like we don't want to see robots play music we want to see you maybe struggle or maybe accidentally hit yourself in the face and laugh I mean that yeah. kind of stuff is just part of it so I wouldn't yeah, worry about it because we all do it um, I've got another one from, from Kevin. So this was Kevin who had the question about the simple kit. Um, question is regarding in-ear monitoring. Um, I don't use wedges, and sometimes hearing the PA, I guess, from the stage is a struggle. So I've been using in-ears, Definitely. but found that it's a huge disconnect to the audience and the vibe of the venue. Do you have any advice on how to overcome this? Yeah, one in, one out. Um, most of my clinics is one in-ear in that has the track and the click, mm. and the other in-ear is out. Uh, the other thing that I do quite a bit is if you can, if you have the time to control your own mix. So uh, if I travel with, say, a two-channel mixer, super small, what I'll do is one channel is my actual, my what I need to hear. So my laptop and whatever. And then the other channel is just a microphone that I put somewhere in the room. And I just mix in some of the noise mm-hmm. of the room so that I'm not so disconnected. Yep. I think that's uh, I think that's what a lot of touring acts are doing too. They just have like a stage mic that's yeah. might give a little bit of ambient. And actually, you kind of s- need to know like, are you guys done clapping? <laughs> I know I can't see you. Yeah. I've got lights in my face, so I, I don't know when it's over. <laughs> I struggle with that in clinics because it's such a small, intimate thing, and I've got in ears in, and I'm like, am I am I making everyone bleed? <laughs> it's like, right? You know, yeah, I happening? mean, there, there's the other aspect of what you're putting out there, yeah, um, because it's false monitored. You know, it's not the reality of the dynamics. So. That you know, one in ear in, one out. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't suggest that for somebody that's doing shows because you're going to go deaf in one ear. Um, lots of companies offer that ambient feature where you can just mm-hmm. let sound in. To me, it kind of defeats the purpose of having custom molds because yeah. then there's um, and that sound coming in isn't always the most natural sound. <laughs> it's coming through this giant block of plastic in your ear, so it kind of has this weird sound to it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think having just a large diaphragm condenser microphone somewhere that you just have on at level two so you can hear the room a little bit mm-hmm. is great. It actually makes your drums sound a lot better, too, because they're not so direct. I need to start doing that for clinics. Just take a SM57 and just set totally. it in. Yeah, hopefully that helps. All right, the next one is from Matt in Portland. Is there any difference in sound or sustain when it comes to suspending a cymbal versus having it mounted on a traditional stand? Um, yeah, that's uh, he's, he's referencing. You know, orchestral players often have one of those curved arms and a leather strap, right. and versus a drum set stand, which is metal. You know, metal rods. Uh, ah. Sorry, guys. I just, <laughs> I, just, I just hit my, my iPhone tripod pretty hard, so if any of you just went deaf, I truly apologize. Um, okay, do you notice any difference? So I think um, I, have, I have one theory, two theories. One, the reason that classical 
symphonic players suspend the cymbal off a rod is because probably back in the day they were using the same cymbals that they were then crashing together as hand cymbals. So you just take the strap and you hang it off of a, hang a hook it. and then you can play it that way. And it just became tradition. That's one theory. And then the other theory would be the transfer of vibration from that cymbal through the leather strap, through the metal hook is going to be less than the transfer of vibration from a cymbal to a straight metal stand. So if you're playing like really quiet orchestral stuff, you could have a cymbal stand that just kind of hums and rattles a little bit. Sure. So those are my two theories. Um, I don't think any of us on drum set need to now start getting those weird wire hooks and hanging our no. cymbals. So in no. all intents and purposes, well, no. I will say, though, that I don't remember if it was Scott Rockenfeld or somebody playing for Warrant. The Chains. When they were, the Chains. <laughs> I was like, okay, was, how do you hit Queens a crash right. and not have it fly away from you and then come back and cut off your head? Um, it was Blas yeah. Elias doing that, too, with Slaughter? Yeah, from Slaughter. Yeah. Blas <laughs> Elias, oh, my God. Who was uh, Skid Row? Sean Kinney? <laughs> no, that's Allison Chains. Uh, oh, that's right. Afuso. Uh, Skid Row. Afuso? Mike Afuso, oh, I think it was a. I don't know. Jeez, we need it. We need to get our '80s rock together. Get our LA guns <laughs> dialed in. Who, who the hell was the drummer for Striper? That guy was killing it. Next. All right. Okay. Next. <laughs> this is from Anthony. Uh, I recently picked up a Beatnik rhythmic analyzer. I'm, I'm assuming it's not broke. Um, what is the best <laughs> way? You know, assuming it's not broke, what is the best way to use this to improve the scores? Is it just a matter of plugging away or using it consistently? Um, you and I probably had different opinions on this thing. I literally use mm. it every single day of my life. Um, mm. So my theory is I know the numbers that I can meet, so I have to meet those numbers every day before I feel like I haven't gotten worse than the day before. So that's gotcha. I use it as a guide of, okay, if I can if I can do a sticking at whatever tempo and I can maintain 90% or something, then then I'm where I need to be. Right. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the only thing I would say on the beatnik, and I, I, I kind of go through phases where it's, it's, it's involved in my practice, and sometimes it's not. But I will say this: don't freak out if you get an insanely low number. You might not have really bad time. You might be consistently off. That's the one thing I've noticed with students is that every once in a while we'll get somebody that gets a five percent, and I look at the, I look at the graph, and I'm like, oh, you never rushed or dragged. You just never hit the downbeat once. That's also you always <laughs> were in the most exact. You were exactly late the whole time. That's a serious problem, I, though. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. But still, we stay positive. Um, but it's like, okay, well, all you need to know now is that if it feels right to you, you're slow. If it feels fast to you, you're right. So push it. Um, but at least you're not wavering all over the place. So I've I've seen drummers with really bad time get 65%, and then drummers that never rushed and never dragged get 20%. But when we looked at the graph, the drummer that got 65% was fluctuating, and every once in a while was landing right on the downbeat and getting more rewarded for that. So yeah, just yeah. something to think about. You have to be conscious of how you're you're looking at your scores. Like I, The number yes. is just one thing, but I always go from both views. I look at the horizontal view so I can see how much of a straight line I'm playing. And if it's, if it's a jagged line, that means I'm you know up and down on my tempo but if it's a straight line like a flat line i'm good and then i look yeah. at the vertical graph which shows you you know the perfect 16th note and then where are you placing it's like a stalactite or a stalagmite yes. uh, version of that so i can see right. i felt like i was really on but i'm averaging a tiny bit ahead on the ease or something so it's that a lot had about to be assessing. our first that had to be our first stalagmite mention ever <laughs> That you spelunked the hell out of that. That was amazing, bro. And you know, I remembered like fifth grade or whatever. It's the lag tight hangs Stalag tight might. to the ceiling. Yeah, the lag might might reach, reach the top. <laughs> oh my god, that's enough. All right, put your protractor away. Let's go to the next question. I, I gotta go jam with oh, Bruno Mars. Man, that was awesome. Okay, <laughs> this is from Matthew. I'm a quite a quiet player and will often go to venues where they turn up the game because I'm playing softly from most of the songs. Okay. The issue is that I want to have the drums play quiet for most of the gig and only for specific <laughs> parts break out and get louder. How do you handle this? I'm not really in a position to have a conversation with the sound guy um, and they adjust the volume throughout the gig so I just can't play louder for a sound check. This is a great question and um, I have some thoughts. Do you have any immediate... Go, no, go for it. Um, 
you need to be considerate of what the sound guy's trying to do, which is translate what you're playing through microphones, through cables, through amplifiers, through speakers. So if you're playing too quiet to where the microphone isn't picking up anything, you're not actually translating sound to the venue. So you have to give them a minimum level of gain um, and be consistent. So if you're going to play quieter than the, the PA is capable of doing, then you shouldn't have a PA. Um, right. So... Yeah, I think you have to tr- you have to just trust that the sound guy knows what's going to translate to the audience to where everyone can hear what you're playing. If you're playing so quiet, no one's going to hear what you're playing, so you're better off just not even being there. Um, right. That happens a lot with me with like eighth note builds on toms. The classical musician in me says start from nothing. But if you start from nothing, your build isn't actually being heard until like beat two or three. <laughs> you know, you right. have to yeah, recalibrate yeah, yeah. your dynamic spectrum. That's my yeah, thoughts. I and I I think it also can stretch to tones and how it's being mic'd too because I know I go through this every year with Mark when we at the end of our twenty one drums camp we go to a rock club and we all play together and Mark usually brings a bop kit that's tuned mm-hmm. to be a bop kit and instantly the guy you know is like hey can I cut a hole in your bass drum Mark's like no yeah. and then yeah. and then Mark hits his bass drum after Ash has checked. And it goes boom, and the whole club feeds back, mm-hmm. and the guy instantly gates everything, which stops Mark from being able to play his bass drum the way he wants to. And it's like, you know, trying to find that balance of look, I'm trying to be as polite as possible, but I'm also trying to achieve a sound. And I will say this Mark does adjust his playing for what's happening. Yeah. It's like, well, this is what's happening without causing an all out war between the drummer and the sound guy. So I will adjust myself. And that's. I think that's part of it. Is every single gig is a new adventure, you know? Yeah. But you're right. I, I think if you're playing too quiet that no one can hear it, they're they're only turning you up because they can't hear it. Yeah. If you play louder, they don't have to turn you up so much. Yeah. So I live, I always adjust my my dynamic levels just one or two notches up from where if I'm at home and I really want to be dynamic, it's just not going to translate to a club. You're just not right. going to be heard, and what well, you know, you want to be heard, so. And also, sometimes when they have to set gates, it's, it's because they don't want the system to feedback. I mean, they're, the gates right. are there for a reason. They're trying to prevent all that craziness. So if you play underneath the gates, again, it's going to be this this up and down of, like, you're not being heard, and then you're jumping out of the mix. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe your band just plays too loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Tell them to shut up. All right. All right. We can do a couple more here. Um, that's an audio question that we'll save for a later episode. Um, we don't have time to do that one. <laughs> Here we go. Um, my question, this is from Johnny. My question is regards to tom tuning. Three of my kits have 12, 14 tom configurations, and all of the 14 seem to rest well in the F-sharp range. And I'm trying to maintain the 12s at around the B note or as high as C or C sharp give me what I found to be a good all-purpose uh, all-genre type of tuning but I struggle with the 12s to get that singing sound um, your thoughts on I guess tuning 12s and 14s so a 12 a B a, 12. a C for me a C or C sharp would be getting up into bebop world so you're probably too high yeah um, a seems to be a good spot for 12s usually for me. So you're already, like, your low note is already a major second above where I would put it. So I think you're just trying to tune them too high. That's my thoughts. What do you think? You do you know what your notes are? No, I, I mean, I I think I recently published my tune bot settings somewhere. I don't, I don't know where. But, but I, I have, th- the thing is, my drum set is tuned to be played by itself. So... Mm-hmm. It's a different animal altogether. I'm not trying to compliment music. I'm playing by myself. Uh, so my, my rack tom is up in that bebop world, and my floor tom is actually really low. Yes, yeah, so you're way more than a fourth between the two of them. Maybe even an totally. octave, maybe? Yeah, possibly. yeah, and yeah, for sure. And then the other thing that I would mention is, as far as getting it to sing, I have noticed for sure that if I even start to tighten up that bottom snare basket on my 12, it chokes the whole drum. Mm. It's done. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's like I have to have it tight enough that it's not going to fall off the stand. 
and not move around and wiggle. And because if it starts to vibrate and turn, and my logo isn't straight, I will freak the f out. I will lose my cookies. You know, this man. is why you and I can never share a drum set because oh my god, I'd lose it. <laughs> I, I like and and every even when I get to drum festivals and I sit down I'm like oh, I have to take all the heads off and move the logo to where it should be. You gotta be kidding um, me! You need like a special. Well, how am I one. supposed to play it? How are you supposed to play it if the logo isn't straight? It makes no sense. It's impossible. All right, I've got a, I've got a new idea. It's going to be clear logos on all of Mike Johnson's drum heads. <laughs> The Aquarium Clear Logo Series. Oh, God. Could you imagine if, if my logo could only show up under specific lighting conditions, I'd be fine with it. But <laughs> black light no, logos. Yeah, it, it drives me nuts. I have to have it. I have to make it work. Anyways, um, so yeah, so. Amazing. Uh, but I, I do use that to my advantage. There are times where my tom just won't shut up, mm. and then I just crank that snare stand, and it chokes the bottom head, and it's like having gaff tape on the bottom head. So mm-hmm. sometimes you can use that stuff to its advantage. But as far as the tuning, I'm going to take your advice on that yeah. for what he's going for. Yeah, I, I think you're tuning a little bit too high. and Or, or um, yeah, I think that it's just too high. I, I'm thinking a, a 14 for me, I would probably go like an E. So E to A or D to A or something like that. Try, try lower. And maybe the bottom head a major second higher than your top just to get a little bit more like boom out of it. <laughs> try that. Let us know. There you go. Boom. All right. Let's do um, maybe maybe one one more. We can do one more. All right. Uh, that's not going to work. Um, these are, a lot of these are like really juicy 10-minute conversations here. Um, oh, here's an interesting one. This is from Eric. Uh, my friend and I are putting five or six drum sets and a variety of percussion instruments together in his barn, and we would like to do a community activity with the youth group in our church. What awesome. are some fun drumming games or learning activities to do with a group of people who have likely never seen a drum set before? Oh, awesome. Uh, let's say for the first one, you could have, if you had five drum sets, think of a, a basic pop beat. So one and two and. You have kick on one, snare on two. And and don't think of it as four, four. Think of it as two, four. So one and two and. And have maybe the first person plays the bass drum on one, the second person plays the hi hat on one, the third person plays hi hat on the and of one, hmm. fourth person plays snare drum and hi hat on two, and the fifth person plays the hi hat on and, and make a rock groove that just goes down the row. Hmm. Um, so something like that would be a great way to start. And all, and you don't even have to say one and two and you can, but you can literally say one, two, three, four. And they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, just something like that would be a great place to start, and then just try to ratchet up that tempo. Boom, boom, chatum, boom, boom, chatum, boom, boom, chatum, boom, boom, chatum, and it'll just be fun. So you could do something like that. Yeah, I think don't overestimate of just having everyone learn a simple beat and play together. Like exactly, it doesn't have to be yeah. super adventurous. If no one's ever played drums before, just just being able to play quarter notes with their hi hat. One and three on the bass drum, two and four on the snare, and then have everybody do that at once for a couple minutes. Yeah, it's pretty bombastic. It's pretty, you know. And I would say maybe you, if you can, get a at least just a powered speaker in there so that you could have them do that along to some famous songs that have very simple beats mm. to them. You know, and then because that's when they're like, "Wait a minute, I'm playing a song that I've heard on the radio before." And it's like, yeah. That's kind of the magic of drum set is, or any instrument. When you finally play something recognizable and you realize that what the professionals are doing is attainable to you, even though you're a kid or you're brand new, then you just get kind of hooked, you know? Yeah, I think this sounds like we could probably do an hour on this as well because then, uh, you know, the, the music ed side of me starts thinking, I mean, call and response, just basic, like I play a sure. rhythm, you play it back, I play a rhythm, yeah. and then each person gets to answer it with their own counter rhythm while everyone else keeps quarter mm-hmm. notes. I mean, there's there's millions and billions of things you can do. Totally. Uh, I think if you just think of it, it's it's a community conversation and not worry about like the drumming as much. Like what what can we do to just be having us communicating through basic rhythms? It just happens yeah. to be a drum That's set good point. rather than clapping or something. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, okay, you want to do any more? Or we should we move on to our picks? It's time for your pick of the week. 
<laughs> I'm in a hotel room looking around like, my pick of the week is lamps. Your pick of the week is that crazy iPhone stand you got there. Let's talk about we, it. That, what is it? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this is something that I supported on Kick, uh, Kickstarter a long time ago. This is called the Switch Pod. So the Switch Pod is an awesome tripod. It's for people that were kind of let down by the Gorilla Pod. Did you ever have a Gorilla Pod? No. The one with all the big nubby balls oh, you can kind no. of wrap around a pole or anything. One, yeah. It's fine for smaller mirrorless cameras, but when you've got like a heavy DSLR and stuff, it sometimes can fail on you, which mm-hmm. is very unfortunate if you have a expensive lens. Uh, so this is just a little bit more sturdy, and the cool thing about it is it looks like a space-age tripod, but it collapses. I'm not going to do it right now because my phone is on it, but it collapses into a handheld device so that you can use it as a grip to, to kind of film things handheld. And so it's it's pretty awesome. I uh, the, the feet of it are rubber, the body is aluminum, and then you just kind of screw on whatever tripod mount to the top that you want. You can have a ball head, or in this case, I have an iPhone holder. Um, and so, yeah, so the, just check out SwitchPod. I mean, you'll see every YouTuber on the planet has done a review on it because people were really needing something like this for travel videos. And it was awesome. When I, when I get to Vic Firth, set up my camera and I just find places to put this it's you know you kind of feel like well I don't need what is it like a foot tall I don't need that you do (laughs) like when you start looking around a room for a place to put your phone it never is even never is level maybe your lens is too long so it just falls forward Mm -hmm. So you have to have something, and most of the stuff that's out there on Amazon on Amazon and stuff under twenty bucks is just too cheap. It just can't hold a real camera. So if you're traveling around with a DSLR with a lens, uh, check out the SwitchPod. It's an awesome travel tripod. Dig it. So I made the mistake. Um, I had that clip-on like wide-angle lens for my iPhone, which was great. It was uh-huh. like pick of the week a while ago, and, and I made a mistake of traveling to London with it and not putting it in its case. So the clip broke, and mm. me being the ever cheap consumer that i am i'm like let me find let me try to find a cheaper version of this so i i amazon like some really 20 dollar bogus iphone lens kit yeah every one of them just blurry it's like oh here's the fisheye oh it's blurry cool man here's a kaleidoscope great it's blurry so i just wasted yeah. i should have just spent the 30 bucks and replaced the actual one that was good and not got the 20 dollar 10 and one you know package. how i <laughs> yeah you know how i have a problem with the word bread for money it's it, the the word in the in the camera world that's why everyone calls it glass like what kind of glass are you using because oh, glass is all that matters yeah, yeah. you know like and so when you have bad glass <laughs> then yeah you get blurry images so you got some cheap glass homie oh it's the um, worst I'm gonna throw them away anyone want to buy a twenty dollar uh, <laughs> iPhone camera hey <laughs> I will say this though I just got the iPhone 11 Pro maybe last week um, and I've had an iPhone 8 forever mm-hmm. um, I just didn't upgrade to the 10 and the it's the one that has the three lenses on it. Yeah. So instead of pushing in or pushing out, you have an actual different lens. You have a wide lens, a regular lens, and a telephoto lens. And so the wide lens is epic. Yeah. It's it's so it's awesome because instead of taking a lens and trying to make it do something that it doesn't do, it just is a wide angle lens. So mm. it's so good. Like every room I've gotten into, I just look around and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I can go to twice as far away with this lens I do and then because the place we're recording at Vic Firth is tiny mm-hmm. and just being able to put that on it, it's it's epic so that is definitely one way to do it also for you just uh, I don't know if you've already done this or where yours came from but check out moment lenses okay those are kind of the the best for um, those are like those are like cinematography level iPhone lenses okay. but they're not insanely expensive but if you get one of those you're good for life there we go that's not my pick of the week but I'll be searching <laughs> for one right now so my pick of the week I, lenses. I forgot I had a whole box of kind of crazy kooky drumstick hybrid things from I reviewed years ago from headhunters so okay. if you haven't checked out headhunters drumsticks their website is headhunterssticksandcreations.com they're just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Brushes that have beads on them, brushes that have these like hoop things to give you some kind of extra impact. They have hybrid bundles. They have all kinds of just kind of crazy versions of sticks and bundles and brushes. Um, I immediately think Jim Keltner. Like their whole catalog is like this is probably stuff Jim Keltner's been making for fifty years. Right. Um, so check them out. I had I don't even know if the brushes I was using in the video this morning are even available, but. They have a tons of just kind of cool, inspiring, slightly different 
implements. And you also have regular drumsticks. So that's my pick of the week, headhunterssticksandcreations.com, if you need just some kind of crazy, inspiring new sounds. You know what I need inspiring new sounds from? Our outro beat. Yeah, I don't know who it is, so we'll... Uh, we'll <laughs> He's killing it we'll right now. We'll surprise everyone. <laughs> and so is she, just in case. Um, and it's going to be a surprise to both of us later today when we find out how this audio is oh, from my phone. Oh, God. I'm going to apologize bro. in advance. I'm going to apologize even, to you in better? advance for the profanity that I'm probably going to be texting you in a couple hours. Yeah, where you're like, it's all distorted. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at the wave files. I'm like, God, things peaking pretty good. Oh yeah, we'll see what happens. Great. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll get through it. <laughs> we'll get through it. All right. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening. You know the drill. If you get a chance, please head on over to iTunes and give us a five star rating and write a short review. That's how other drummers find this podcast, and it, it really does mean a lot to us. So, and we read those things. So, thank you guys for all of you that have done it already. Mr. Dawson, guess what I have for you next week? I have no idea discount code for matcha and green tea sweet yeah Beautiful. we're getting you off coffee son and i might have a uh, review of your snare drum for next week <laughs> oh my god okay well then i'm gonna double your discount code <laughs> you get a double discount code all right everybody have a great week we'll see you guys next time yeah.